0: I'm Daniel Chacon. Welcome to Words on a Wire. Today, my guest is Monique Quintana, and she is author of, i will be honest, a very weird and beautiful novel. Weird, uh, in a good sense, <laughs> Sinote City. Uh, she is a very prolific artist and writer. She has uh, She writes book reviews. She does interviews. She actually even interviewed me one time for The Normal School, She has personal uh, essays that appear in multiple uh, places, Uh, Luna Luna Magazine, where she's a contributing editor. And, well, just I don't want to go through all of them, but she has been nominated for the Best of the Net, Best Microfiction, Pushcart Prize. She has been awarded residencies at Yado, Yado, I always mispronounce that. And uh, she's just an amazing writer who lives in Fresno in the Tower District, like you couldn't get a, a cooler neighborhood, I think in California. Are you still in the Tower District?
1: I am. I'm am still here. I you know i, I be here for a long time.
0: <laughs> I am from Fresno. I was I you know and uh, and I'm much older than you. And back when I was a, a a young man, Tower District was not what it was now. It didn't get cool until after I left Fresno. And I remember coming back and suddenly there were coffee shops and and uh, so. Do you like living there now that it's it's kind of. Uh, how would you describe it, the Tower District?
1: Well, um, it's changing, especially now with the pandemic kind of like going on and everything. It's been interesting to see it in its different phases. But I mean, usually, you know, like pre, pre-pandemic, pre I mean, it was it was very kind of low key. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, art galleries and pubs and there's a casino here, Um very low-key mostly kind of locals would hang out during the day but now because everyone's kind of like um, eager to get back out it's it's um it's, it's becoming very interesting place. It's very intense now I mean there's people all over the place all that come in from outside the neighborhood and things so um, you know I can't really go out as much to get like out into tower as much um, as I Usually would because there's so many people. I wow. Mean, there's lines to get into everything, so um, it's just it, it's a very strange place.
0: Oh my um, god! Right
1: now, yeah, yeah. So it, it's been kind of interesting. You I know, mean, a few months ago, it was like a ghost town. So wow. That's been, yeah, that's been interesting. It's, it's
0: intense. You know, somebody and, needs to um, write a book about yeah. the Tower District. This is this is a, a, a phase that uh, nobody would have expected of it. You know, when I was a kid. The Tower Theater, which is the iconic uh, architectural center of the neighborhood, is this, this old uh, movie theater with a, with a steeple and with the neon lights that go up and the, the, the sparkling ball on the top, what used to show a show, uh, 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 second run and, and adult films. It was a really right. you know, uh, neglected neighborhood. And then it went and became really hip. And then, uh, and then I guess during the pandemic. And then, and now this—that's that's really, wow. You, 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 uh, you know, you. Uh, I wonder if anyone's ever going to write a book about it, the Tower or something like that. Have you ever thought about? I, I know you write about it a bit, but uh, what do you, what have you written that is influenced by the Tower District or that where the Tower District appears?
1: The tower, I don't, as a kid, I didn't actually come into the tower district that much because, um, you know, I originally, I, the the first place I lived, it was in Parkside, Fresno, right, which is adjacent to, to tower district. So I kind of felt like early in my early age, we kind of like just hung out around there. And then the farthest we might go would be, um. Like, Angelo's Drive-In, right? We were oh, Angelo's Drive-In. They got the yeah. best and, and cheeseburgers. it's not there anymore. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, um, yeah, they knocked it down. It's gone. Oh,
0: my God. The, the, those were good cheeseburgers I didn't discover until I was in college.
1: Right. And so, I mean, so we were definitely neighbors of Tower District. And I just remember, i the only kind of big memory I have from Tower District, like, growing up was my grandma would take me to the chicken pot pie shop, and she would pick up chicken pot pies, and then we'd, we'd take off and i think maybe it's i'm not sure if she was like scared to be in the neighborhood I, i'm not really sure why right. we didn't spend too much time down there but um i write a lot about Parkside because that was my first home mm. that was that was the first place like that was where i lived with my my mother and father and my brother before my parents split up so i write a lot about that and it's also the place where um my my grandmother is buried and where my mm. like most of my family will be buried. They have pots there already and things like that. Is is that and, in the um,
0: cemetery across from Rodin Park?
1: Right. Well well it's it's the one that's on uh on Belmont. It's across from the the, the other burger joint.
0: Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Triangle
1: Burger. Yeah. Where, where they
0: sold three or 90, like three 90 three, three 90 cheeseburgers 90. for ninety nine cents or something for a while. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Right. It's really strange. You can go have a hamburger and then you can go and then while you're eating your hamburger you can look at the cemetery across the street. This is like So that's where my grandmother's buried and we have a huge family plot wow. there and and yeah. um I've written about it a little bit, but um yeah, my my family members they they have this huge plot and they've already um some of them have already written their name and claimed their split wow. their space <laughs> in the family plot. So, parkside's like this very like curious place for me and i mean it's my first home and and i just think about it a lot and and so now that i live so close to it again i i think about all those things that used to be there and that are no longer there um and then i also think about the things that are still there um, and 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 they've changed like roading park right or or like you know like the kmart space is gone i mean just like different things like that um, I think about how it's changing and how it's the same and or how it's kind of like
0: um yeah, yeah, you know my mom is buried in that cemetery, else. and uh she's buried in that cemetery, and uh her first one of her first jobs when I was a kid was was working at that kmart that used to be there, <laughs> so it's kind of uh, interesting to 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 revisit this um uh, you have a web page, and I want to Encourage people to go to your web page. It's one of the the best web page, writer web pages I've ever seen because they get a, a there's a really great sample of your work, and the um, it's moniquequintana.com. dot com, and on this web page you include a lot of your micro fiction or even micro prose because I suspect some of it's not fiction, but one of the um, The stories, which I assume is fiction, that I just absolutely loved was called Dark Lord of the Rainbow. And you can find it on MoniqueQuintana.com. Can you talk a little bit about how that story came along? Because it's a very familiar uh, uh, legend that you subvert in a really surprising and beautiful way. And also... Rainbow in this refers to the Rainbow Ballroom, which uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that and what that means to you.
1: Right. Um, so for me, like, contextually, like as far as my family goes, the Rainbow Ballroom is where my mother and father met.
0: Wow, really?
1: Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's where they met. They were both going to Fresno State. Um, never ran into each other at school um, because they met at a dance there. I think Fresno State was hosting a dance there. And they met there, and they, uh, of course, hit it off um and and married um several years later but um dark lord of the rainbow was kind of like a it, it comes from it's happened to the story that my grandmother had told me um you know like growing up my grandmother was i was you know like a proper mexican lady uh, uh-huh. she she grew up going to a pentecostal church wow um First in in the San in San Joaquin where she originally grew up, and then when she came to Fresno, she kind of she went to uh, she joined a, another Pentecostal church, but um, she was kind of like very proper, and I think she was wary of me kind of like you know uh, getting involved with men or 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 becoming sexually active before she felt like I was ready and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. So she told me, I think she told me this story to kind of scare me away from men. Right. <laughs> and to kind of like repress my sexuality. And, and and as as a kid, I was very like I was very sexually curious. I remember like when Madonna came out with her Vogue video, I was like, This is the most amazing thing ever. And my <laughs> grandmother was like, oh my gosh, she's terrible. She's yeah. like she's like a snake. She's like just she's just terrible how sexual she's being. Um but I wasn't like that. I wanted to kind of like know more. I was just very curious about it. And I feel like I write about that a lot. But my grandmother told me um, this story about, you know, this this young woman that goes to the rainbow ballroom, you know, when she's not really supposed to be out and she meets up with this man who's really good looking and, and charming and she you kind know, of like goes, right? Goes home with him, like gets in the car and goes home with him and then she's never found again and it you know, and it turns out that this man is like maybe like some kind of like Lucifer figure. Right. Some <laughs> he's some kind of like bad like demon or something, right? very animalistic right and um so i was just like i was like wow and and i think her intention was to scare me from men but i think it it did it had the it had the opposite effect it just kind of like made me fascinated with men and and love and and um my, my sexuality and kind of like exploring that those things and i feel like i i write about that a lot um and so that's one of the first ways I kind of tapped into my imagination. I was like, "Oh, I wonder what right. it would be like to go dancing with a man, and I wonder like what it'd be like to kind of go out to to uh, to some place like the Rainbow Ballroom where people are getting dressed up and they're having a good time and that sort of thing."
0: Yeah, you know, so, and, and what, yeah. what 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 I find brilliant about that story is you're doing for that urban legend about uh, the uh, the young woman. Dancing all night with this handsome stranger, um, and then later on noticing that she has hooves, and it's supposed to scare, her, you know, scare us into to being careful, but you subvert it uh, so beautifully, and um, and it becomes that very last part of the of the story where the young woman is imagining being with him, and then when we see his hooves. It's not in horror. It's in fascination and attachment. And I think that's just, you know, really a, a wonderful way to, 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 to subvert that and to subvert even concepts of sexuality, uh, for that matter. Uh, you can see that story on Monique dot com. Um, the, 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 uh, rainbow ballroom, uh, is a beautiful metaphor that I hadn't thought of until I read this story. But when I was growing up, the the Rainbow Ballroom was where all the Chicanos went for their dances and their concerts, and there was always cruising up and down in front of the Rainbow Ballroom, and it was a place that parents really didn't want you to go because there were shootings and there were knifings, at least in my era, maybe probably before you were born. Uh, But it used to be quite a... uh, An important place for for Chicano, Latino, Mexicanos in Fresno. Is is it still around?
1: It is. I think it's, I mean, it's still being used, but not as often as it used to be, but I think it's still in use. I'm not sure about now um, because venues are just starting to open up, but pre pandemic, it was being used um, periodically, I would say, like for concerts and things. Yeah. Right. So it is still around.
0: And uh, I'm, are you? Uh, do you have access to a computer right now? Are you in front of one?
1: Um, I'm not actually. I can pull one out.
0: Oh, because uh, you know, I was hoping you can go to your your web page and and I wanted to look at that that short micro prose prose piece um, called B movies, and I was hoping that you might read that. It's, oh yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to run and get my laptop, and then I'll pull that
0: up. Okay, all right. I, I probably should have warned you about that beforehand. But uh, what I really, uh, as you're getting your laptop, um, again, I encourage you to visit MoniqueQuintana.com and look at some of these prose pieces prose, prose, ugh, prose pieces that she has. And also you can read about her novel, which we will talk about in just a minute there's a book trailer for it. It's called Cenote City and we'll talk a little bit about that. Are you there, Monique?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm just um turning on my laptop.
0: Oh, okay. Oh is it
1: Yeah, I think you're talking about a piece that's in my diary on my website.
0: Yeah, it's it's called B Movies and it has a picture of the uh of uh of the dog on the Oh
1: yeah, that's my dog.
0: Oh, okay, great. <laughs> it's, uh...
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, during during the shelter-in-place, I was um, writing a lot of my diary on my website. I, you know, I love to blog, and so I wrote a few pieces. I was hoping to write more, but, I mean, I, I just got busy with school and things, but um, I wrote a few pieces about you know, being at home and the memories that I had while being at home.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, this... This then, you know, I, I, I don't want to give it a label. You can call it micro fiction. You can just call it micro prose. You can call it micro <laughs> whatever you want. But you do, you, you have a lot of these on your web page. And they're, they're really fun to read, to hop around from story to story. And so I was hoping you would be able to read that one. And maybe the one called Fuzzy, uh, which I think is also uh, uh, pretty, uh, uh, pretty interesting.
1: Okay, so I have B-movies up. Okay. B-movies, I keep watching my dogs to make sure they don't get stung by hornets. I keep dreaming them to be the size of 1950s B-horror movie creatures. The hornets, I mean.
0: That's really short. Can you tell, can you kind of explain when you put that together why you knew that this was something that could stand on its own?
1: You know, I mean, the first way, when I write... Almost any piece or when I start any piece, um, I usually go with some kind of sound or I like I mean, this might sound kind of strange to people, but I usually have some kind of like thought in my head. I can hear the thought in my head. Um, so that whole I keep watching my dogs to make sure they don't get stung by hornets. That's I can hear that sound. I so I don't. I don't start with an image. I don't go in image first to me. I just kind of hear a voice or I'm here. Yeah. I, I guess it's my internal voice. I hear the sound. And um, for me, that's just kind of like, that's kind of like this, the, the kind of emotional kind of response that I have maybe to like the day or, or like something that happens to me. Right. Um, that kind of sets it off. And so that's why very often a lot of my pieces are very short because mm-hmm. it's just like something that I hear, like some kind of, some kind of sound, some kind of thought. And I just, I I wanted to kind of document it and I want uh, to archive it um, in some way. So I think that's where I think the tech is helpful. And the blog, I write a lot on my phone too. So I write a lot of um, things like this on my phone too.
0: Nice, nice. I write on my phone too. And you know, I love your really, really, really short pieces. And one of the things I teach in an MFA program here, at uh, we have an MFA in creative writing, and I'm always telling my students that they need to be willing to follow the language. They need to be willing to follow that voice. And if you're doing that and you're also developing your craft at the same time, you read a lot of other writers, you, you know, you, you, you understand craft, you even teach it on some level to other writers. Uh, um, if you do that, when you'll know when the voice stops, to quit. Right. You know, and and that's what I love about these short pieces because I don't feel like they need to go on. What I'm experiencing here is uh, watching the dogs, don't get, you know, there's that fear. And then I'm dreaming them to be the size of a 1950s horror horror movie, which is great because we picture the dogs that big until that very last line. And then we picture the hornets that big. So it's really phantasmagoric and releasing a lot of, of anxiety and energy just in that, that, that one little piece. Did you know what the piece was about until, or, or, well, what? cause
1: I'm, you know, I'm writing this piece, um, right after the shelter in place, you know, uh-huh. happens. And so, you know, we're sheltering in place and everyone, like all my friends are very scared with like, with a good reason. And I'm, I'm, I'm terrified and everything. Uh-huh. And then I start like getting on Twitter and everything. And there's all these, um, things going there's all this kind of like talk going on about hornets coming to like Cal- california and the southwest and that sort of thing and and you know over here out here and i and i was just like oh it was just like oh man like something else and and you know it might seem kind of small but that's kind of like frightening to me like thinking about hornets i mean i grew up going to like vacation bible school and thing where like you know we always talked about plagues and never knowing when another plague was going to hit like plagues would hit and in multitude, they wouldn't, it, <laughs> right. was just, it wasn't just one thing, it was many things. And so I think that's where, like, I've always, like, I've grown up, I grew up with that sense of doom. And it's like, right. oh, it's not going to be just one thing. It's going to be many, many things. Wow. Coming. And um, so um, I think that's where that kind of emotional um, kind of, like, impulse comes from.
0: Right, right. And that,
1: from, like, that particular piece with the dogs and the hornets.
0: You can, you can find uh, Monique on Twitter, Monique. Monique, I'm sorry, Quintana Gothic. Uh, that's at Quintana Gothic on Twitter, um, and uh, uh, we just started following you. By the way, words on a wire. Um,
1: I saw that. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I want to ask you about another story to read. Another story before we go on to talk about Sinote City, which I think is brilliant. Um, uh, a, and in, and in, in what makes it to me so. Uh, interesting of, of of a landscape is that center image of the cenote of the sinkhole consuming a city much like fresno but before we do that i'm wondering if we could look at that story called fuzzy uh that you posted uh i guess on august 5th um if would you be would could you read that
1: I, oh i found it i just found it okay Yesterday, I stumbled upon my little sister's secret Twitter. She says she wants to go to Dante's Inferno room after the pandemic. One of my friends displayed her art at a Tim Burton pop-up bar in my neighborhood a few years ago. Her sister bought me a fuzzy green drink that tasted like mist.
0: What? Tell us about this. How? 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 This was this also a voice? Can you just go go into how this became? what it is it, it's very complex i mean it's simple but it's very complex in the sense that there's so many things going on and there's no resolution and so it almost leaves us a little bit in chaos like we're trying to grasp on something which is i suppose why it's called fuzzy because there's nothing concrete <laughs> but right um my
1: uh i you know i've been on on twitter for a few years and i just started getting into it um you know, in the past couple of years years or so, um, my sister, I noticed my sister kind of disappeared from Twitter. Like, and she was on there quite often. She was liking my tweets. And, or I mean, I would see her just kind of engaging with other people and things. And so, I mean, that was the place where I always knew, okay, she's on Twitter. And then all of a sudden she, she disappeared for a while. And I, you know, I never asked her about it because, you know, she, she was kind of going through some personal things. And, and I felt, I figured, oh, well, maybe she's like, tapering off on her social media or something you know i had no idea um then all of a sudden i i don't know how it happened i don't really recall how it happened but i i i stumbled upon her her new twitter account <laughs> and she was writing these amazing tweets that i was like the very kind of like um very very kind of uh a confident and um just really unapologetic and and, we, and just really bizarre and interesting like i was like wow this is a whole other kind of like side to your like tweeting i've never seen before it was just really strange um and you know she wasn't following me she never followed me on that twitter and that's why i didn't know about it and um and so, like, I ended up asking her later, and, and you know, she told me, she was like, oh, it, it was just, like, it was just something I wanted to do, and I felt, I love it, and I feel really kind of, like, free doing that. I just don't know if I want any of my, my biological family <laughs> to follow me. And so, so I was like, okay, like, you know, um, uh, yeah, I can respect that a lot of yeah. a good deal. And so, I thought that was, like, that was very strange to find out, like, about this cult kind of secret, like, outlet that someone I'm very close to and um, then I spent a lot of time with like that they were kind of going off and, and, and doing something else on their own, like with other people. So I thought that was like really interesting, but I mean, just thinking about that, um, it made me think about like, it made me think about sisterhood. And, and then I get those thoughts again, of like, um, you know, like different, um, different kind of voices, different thoughts, um, different memories and stuff. And so I'm just kind of like, I'm connecting like this new this new discovery with older memories and 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 it becomes fuzzy. I start to kind of blur the relationship um that I have with people and that you know that I see other people have and and in this case, sisters and um I you know, I meditate a lot on on my relationship with my mother because it hasn't always been like super great, but I was like, oh i want to write I want to write about being sisters and and that kind of relationship right. too. Um, and so I've been kind of exploring that a lot. Uh, but I mean, the the other person is, you know, Marisol Baca. She,
0: Oh, she, I love Marisol Baca. She, she
1: bought me the fuzzy <laughs> green. Her, you know, her sisters are, are artists.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. And, 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 you know, they're artisans and, and they're very kind of like active in the, the art circuits here and that sort of thing. And so, um, I was just thinking about like her and her relationship with her sister and how joyous mm. it is. And, and that sort of thing i was like oh yeah i i i can i i connected those in some way and, I, and and it i don't really i don't know really why like my brain kind of defaulted to that memory of like going to her sister you know her sister and seeing her have to pop up and the drink and all that but i i i know what the emotional impulse was i know that it right. was kind of joy and being around someone that you know, not our mother. That's that's our sister, and it's different. It's a different rela- You have different relationships right. with your siblings, and do with your parents. I think so I wanted to tap into that impulse.
0: Well, you know, not to get too uh, professor of creative writing on you, uh, but if I were to analyze this in a workshop, I would say that the piece ends perfectly, because not only do we have the, not only are we deepening that that uh, uh, blur, that fuzziness, that secretness um, that is suggested even in the title on some level, but we're bringing a sister back into it, and uh, and it just seems like the perfect place to end it. And to be able to, you know, one of the good things about reading great works of creative writing even if they're short is that you think about them for a while you can't just let them go like a like a b movie you can't just let them go and then go to the next one you have to let them linger and this one definitely does thank you um let's ta- i want to i, I kind of want to ask you a question about um uh on twitter your your uh uh your your um Uh, Quintana Gothic Um, right, and then you have some imagery that is related to either Gothic or or uh, uh, I don't want to use the word satanic because that's that's just too culturally uh, uh, packed with you know with meaning and with you know with but 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 let's say esoteric imagery. And I'm wondering right. what it is about this imagery. Does it come out of the language, or or what can you say about this? I mean, I don't even know how to frame the question other than I, fi- I I find it really fascinating that it appears a lot in your work, and it, you know, and so what is your relationship with this dark imagery? Oh,
1: so darker imagery, imagery of the occult and that sort of thing, right? Um, I think before. You know, we had talked before, and you had asked me about Santa Muerte, and write I write about her. Um, as, you know. So I would like, you know, start there and say that one of the reasons why um, I'm invested in her as a deity and as a person, and you know, as as you know, someone that people kind of look to, is because um, she's she's a deity that doesn't judge. But she's also a deity that, that, you know, specific people kind of look to for guidance and for kind of love mm-hmm. and reassurance, right? So I'm talking about like people that are on the periphery, right? So people that are addicts, people that are, um, sex workers, people that m- maybe like are, are crossing the border, right? Um, and that, and, and, and that are shunned for doing that, right? Um, and so I think, like for me, um, I think great art and, and, and great writing, I feel like, it explores those like peripheral spaces
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and and the people that are that are in those in those liminal spaces right um and it does it in a place where it's not judging them but it's it's telling their story
0: right right
1: um and and um that's what i'm interested in i'm 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 always put off by writing that judges like example judges women for um like infidelity or things like that mm-hmm. right because right. um. Like people are complicated, and I think characters are complicated, right. and so I, I think that I think um, I think I write a lot about those images and stuff because that's what I'm, I'm interested in hearing about people that that, are, that society shuns and that, that, that they want to forget or, or bury alive right. and put away. I' like, no, I want to like, hear <laughs> about those people because right. those people um, mean a lot to me, and they're important. And um, and that's where I get a lot of, like, um, get a lot of my creative inclinations is, like, exploring those those places in myself, too. And also thinking about the way I'm complicit in other people's, like, you know, suffering and that sort of thing. Just as, as someone right. that's a U.S. citizen, um, but also, like, someone that's kind of grew up with a lot of privilege, privilege in those things, too. I want to kind of, like, interrogate. Right,
0: right. Um,
1: those things too, and yeah, that's, and, the, um, yeah, no, no, that's why a lot of those images kind of think come out in my work. I, yeah. I think
0: I think that's a that's a brilliant answer, um, and and I think that I'm working on a book right now um, about creativity and the imaginal, and one one of the tentative titles I have is "Writers Are Witches," because I think on some level, when a writer is willing to follow the language. And when the writer has a complex life that includes pain and includes, you know, uh Pentecostal churches, you know, includes uh Catholic churches, includes all this 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 uh uh you know, the, the, the these these imageries of, you know, uh religious imagery and sometimes, you know, uh you know, whatever. We live complex lives that when we follow the language we sometimes follow it into imaginal realms. And if we do so We're going to inevitably run into others who have been in those imaginal realms, which often includes practitioners of esotericism, philosophers, physicists, and all these. I mean, to me, it just makes a lot of sense that we're going to somehow access dark imagery if we're going to be willing to go where it hurts. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: Right. Yeah, it does. I mean, and I think I always loved Gothic literature. That was always probably my favorite um, genre of literature. And the reason why is because, like, you know, I grew up, I grew up going to Pentecostal church with my mother's family and my dad's family was Catholic. And um, I loved, you know, like the tension between those two things. And, mm. you know, I loved I loved ceremony. I loved ritual. I loved like architecture and like thinking about how things were constructed and deconstructed. But I also like really, really loathed and like really like resented like religion right with the capital R. Right. I didn't like my grandma making me feel bad for for like speaking about like my sexuality i didn't um I didn't like people like giving other people rules and not explaining why, you know what I mean i didn't right. there were certain things that I didn't like about like religion or religious people i knew and i picked that up from very early age and so um with gothic literature i like how it it, it often satires it, it, you know i can make satire of of religion and it also kind of like celebrates it too right because right. I, I you know i feel like i've always kind of by glimpse been living with that tension it's like i love going to sunday school i love i love thinking about christ and 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 i think about christ often and and you know and and i think about like ceremony and and those things too but I also I also kind of really have a problem with like um, with organized religion and
0: right right. and
1: um, and what it it kind of projects on people
0: yeah yeah I totally I totally get that and um, you know I would love to go deeper into this conversation because I think we could uncover a lot of really interesting uh, uh, experiences and insights um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, we're running a little bit out of time. And so I'm going to just jump to mm-hmm. um, uh, a few words on Cenote City. We had an interview that we did uh, several months ago from home. I was I was recording all the shows from home, but I went technologically sometimes inept. And I ended up sounding like Donald Duck throughout the whole thing. It's really weird. So thank you for being willing to, to re-record this. Um, but to talk a little bit about Cenote City and uh I, I I really encourage people to 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 uh to, to uh look into this uh this novella but talk a little bit of about that and maybe you could start with the fascinating story about how this novella was commissioned by somebody. Can you talk a little bit about it?
1: Um yeah, so after I left the after I graduated from my MFA program in 2016, um, I was kind of like, I was a little bit stuck. I didn't know what I wanted to write about or what I wanted to do with my writing. And I, you know, I had a couple of manuscripts that I had written while I was in in, in grad school. Um, but I just really didn't, I was I felt very stagnant I didn't really know what to do. And so um, I kind of got, I, I, you know, through social media, I got connected with some editors um specifically at Luna Luna magazine. So I began writing a lot of um, nonfiction pieces and they were my first nonfiction pieces. Some of them were memoirs. Some of them were like film reviews. um, Some of them were just kind of like short kind of like thought pieces and those things. And so I was putting out that out a lot and I was sharing them on my social media, which I think is super important, um, especially for Brown women. Um, And um, an editor, you know, the editor for Clash Books, she's the editor in chief, Lisa Cantarol. She she was reading my pieces, and and you know, she was good friends with the Luna Luna staff, and and so she had she had contacted me and asked me to um, write some uh, personal essays and things for um, for the Clash Books website. Right, the Clash Books has a has an online component, like an online magazine to that. And um, so I was doing that for about a year and I was having the best time. It was the funnest time I've ever had writing. I just kind of wrote about what I wanted to, and I wasn't worried about writing literary things. And um, I wasn't worried about impressing people um, in my workshop or or kind of (laughs) fixing myself into some kind of like literary kinship or anything. I was just like, just writing um, on my impulse. And for me, like, as long as I'm following my creative impulse and I feel like I have my integrity and I don't really care what other people think <laughs> outside of that anymore. Nice. Um, and so after about a year, um, she just, she messaged me one day you know, we, we talk very often on, on Facebook messenger and she messaged me one day and she was like, you know, I, you know, I really, I really appreciate your writing and I like what you do with it. And, and she asked me to write a book length project for the um for the press right and at that time it was you know a very small press it's grown significantly since then um but um I was really I was really surprised and so I can you know asked her questions like like what they were looking for what they wanted and she was like well just kind of like you can kind of do what you want with it just like send me some kind of like um some kind of uh like synopsis for what you want to do and then send me some character sketches and so that's how it happened right um uh-huh. and so i feel like a lot of those shorter pieces that i was writing and that i was that that were getting published online that was kind of like a working up to that a working up to the book and, and generating ideas for the book
0: right um
1: and so yeah i mean the sonata city it 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 started out as a as a flash fiction piece and for me it just like when i was writing it just wasn't hitting the way I wasn't satisfied with it, um the way I am with some of my other pieces, I was like, this there's something here I, I want it to be the, longer, and I want it to be different the
0: voice the voice kept going, the voice did not stop right <laughs> That's yeah, beautiful. It, just,
1: it it wouldn't taper off, and so um I just like was like following the voice
0: yeah well it's a it's and, a it's a um, it's a really it's a very strange book, very complex uh i don't I don't want to give it a label like surrealistic or gothic or or whatever dark but it's just a really interesting landscape to enter into you enter into realms of the imagination that i think few writers are able to do these days and that's why i admire your work so much and why i was eager to talk to you uh check out all her or some of her work me uh at monique quintana uh, uh dot com i was about to say punto com. Um, and uh, Monique thank you so much for, for joining me again on Words on a Wire I really appreciate the patience with doing this interview twice All
1: right, Thank you and I'm writing a new story it's called Daniel the Duck and
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah I'll let you know how it goes
0: yeah definitely I, I, I wrote a story about a duck one time the, the, uh, the magic huh. duck I called it yeah. <laughs> that's good I love ducks um, I think ducks are funny and um,
1: thanks so much for <laughs> inviting me to be on this lovely show. And, and yeah, thank you for um, sharing my work. I appreciate it always.